Good evening, godless sodomites. <sighs> okay. Well, welcome to the excommunication station. I'm your host, Chaz. I am joined by Just Donovan today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, yeah, Chrissy had to bail, bail on us because she's got sick kids. And yeah, so. Be a mom. Yeah, so. Uh, we are your hip new youth pastors, and all the single ladies, no thank you, Beyonce. All the holy ladies, more like it. More Christian parody. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, weekly we do a deep dive into the weird, the wild, and the wicked that we all experience from growing up in the church. And this is the Inquisition. Donovan, do dogs go to heaven? I guess that depends on who you're asking, because if it's Me. Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds, they sure as fuck do. <laughs> uh, and according to my dad, no. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. According to my stepfather, no, too. But I, I've heard a varying opinion about it. Yeah, according so. to me, I mean, I mean, if anybody's going to go to heaven, why the fuck wouldn't it be a dog? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> very much true that's how i feel about it how what about you what do you think so i was originally taught like my stepfather taught me that dogs didn't go to heaven and then uh then somebody else taught me that um we're when we go to heaven we're in with all of our favorite things and if the if a dog is our favorite thing then we'll be there or something like that so loophole, baby. yeah love loopholes <laughs> christian loopholes are always the best loopholes <laughs> yeah yeah but then there was this like turbo tax and they're like deductible and you're like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah so so like when when that when that thought was brought up to me it was like well my dog's not really in heaven it's more or less my thought of him being in heaven like my idea is in there, so he's not really there. So it kind of took the fun out of it. So you figured that out, or someone told you? That? No, I thought of that. Hey everyone, we forgot to do our prayer, so we got to do that right now. I wanted to apologize for the audio problems as I'm editing this. I realize there's an issue with my audio. Sorry, I'm yelling at you. I don't mean to, but uh, we need to do the most important thing, and that's to pray. So hold the hand of the person next to you and bow your head. And if you're driving, let Jesus take the wheel. So let me let me talk to Christian parents here for just a minute. Let me I'm talking to the average Christian parents. And let's just say that you have three children, ten, let's say six and two. And I come to you and I say, Hey, Christian mom and dad, I have got some phenomenal news for you. And that is if you're a believer, you're going to the rapture. And I usually that's that's good news. Okay. I have some other news. Your children can be here. Any Christian parent would say, Then I want to be here too right? I do not want to leave my children here. If my children are going to be here, even if I have to go through the tribulation, I'd like to stay here, right? I see lots of heads going like this. I would too. If, if I had to leave my children here and go on the rapture, I would stay here. It wouldn't be worth leaving. Does that sound like God to you? The parent's faith covers the child up until the age of 13. Let me talk about 13 here just a minute. This is my opinion. 
Why? Because of the nature of God. I believe all children who die go to heaven. I believe every aborted baby is in the presence of God right now. Let me tell you something about heaven. Heaven's full of children. Let me tell you about hell. There's no children in hell. Does that sound like God to you? Our God is the one. And you can wake your back to your So we are back to confront our rapture anxiety again by pulling that shit apart at the seams with the history. Foreign Office, November 2nd, 1917. Dear Lord Rothschild, I have much pleasure in conveying to you on behalf of His Majesty's government the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations, which has been submitted to and approved by the cabinet. His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood that nothing shall be done with may prejudice the civil and religious rights of the existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine, all the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. I should be grateful if you would bring this declaration to the knowledge of the Zionist Federation. Yours, author James Balfour. The Balfour Declaration was the first public governmental expression for the support of the Jewish state. The UK set in motion what was to become the in the late 40s the Jewish state. Um, I don't want to get into the weeds of Zionism or even Christian Zionism right now, uh, but this <laughs> we'll be there for quite a long time, um, uh, another day. Uh, but the, this declaration was a huge deal with dispensationalism uh, as much as it was with both worlds of Zionism. Um, th this was an undeniable proof to the evangelical church that the growing school of thought was not only right, but also that the rapture was coming and soon. The Schofield Reference Bible was reissued for the first time in 1917 to a rabid church looking for some sort of direction of what the fuck was going on in the world. That's like that's like part of the course, though, right? It's always rabid for that fucking shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about current current events like throughout this i think but yeah um i'm sure there's some grifter right now writing a book or starting up something right now to try to uh hook into what's going on right now with the the anxiety that's going on in the world um yeah, the televangelists are, um, are already they got the writers just going fucking fury to the pen to the page right now. oh yeah big time <sighs> oh i put side note your family could be doing this right now <laughs> <laughs> checking on your loved ones they're probably doing this try to calm them down um Absolutely. yeah so in the timeline we are now post-world war one the entire earth has just been through not just a meat grinder in europe that killed millions of young men it's really hard to explain the absolutely disgusting and brutal nature of the first world war but the subsequent wars may have been horrific in their own right, but nothing really compares to World War I. 
Mm. Have you ever done any research on World War One? Uh this no. I, that's those are that's a whole other thing that I gotta just start yeah. evaluating is history. Growing up, I loved history and everything, but mm-hmm. there's just so much shit I didn't learn because of you know just being warded away from everything that was real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so, I think yeah. World War Two definitely overshadowed, you know, the original, mm-hmm. but it was definitely a lot gorier and like yeah. trench warfare and you had a lot of a lot yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then like uh just like the chemical warfare and everything that was used so but oh if you want a good time listening to about it uh dan carlin did an amazing series on uh hardcore history so i have that queued up and that's exactly what i plan to do because like i oh, said good. i do i love history I'm just weary of going back through it to be like, oh, that was, oh, that was a lie. That was a lie. That was a lie. <laughs> a lot of this isn't, it's not that lies, it's just stuff you haven't heard before or knew about. So, yeah, well, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. Personal experience. I oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, I, did, yeah. I definitely want to clarify that. I'm not saying all yeah. oh, this is just filled with lies. I'm talking about <laughs> experience. I mean, there, we know there's lies, though. <laughs> yeah. So on top of uh, everybody coming out of World War One, the world was being decimated by the 1918 flu outbreak or the Spanish flu. But it actually originated in an army base in Kansas. Uh, if you don't know that, uh, the yeah, the flu killed between 25 and 50 million people. The Russian Civil War cost about 8 million plus lives. Uh, that's hard to say uh, without any degree of accuracy. Upheaval in America was being fought along racial lines with lynchings and race riots. The Ku Klux Klan was rising and beating the ever-loving shit out of blacks, Jews, Catholics, and anyone else who wasn't white. Labor was fighting for power, rights, and privilege we, that we have today. Um, and have been eroding for decades now. Uh, the religious religious right won a major right with uh, won a major fight. I'm sorry with the passing of the 18th Amendment and the women's right to vote. Some I, something I, else. I, Go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say. You know, I wonder if this is the time that most of those guys are referring to when they want to say "make it great again." You know, America, take it back to those times. <laughs> yeah, when people, I think when people say "make." america great again i think they're thinking back to like the 50s when black people were still segregated you know before before in, before they integrated the school system um yeah, so yeah. yeah or segregated why is it integrated segregated so um yeah you're, you're thinking the right way yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's in your subconscious buddy good yeah job. <laughs> um something else happened around that time that gave dispensationalism a little jolt it needed and help establish conspiracy theories for more than a century. The League of Nations was started. This was seen as an attempt of fulfilling the uh, prophecies of one world government or a new world order. The League of Nations was an absolute disaster and eventually didn't help any of us uh, by, by not including Germany, Japan, or Italy into it. Later, the formation of the UN, NATO, and the EU would would form even more conspiracy um, and give more nods to fulfilling prof- prophecy. We'll get into more of the EU, um, maybe the UN a little bit later, but uh, and also yeah, created like most of the fucking images used nowadays for all those conspiracy theories, like mm-hmm. on the New World Order, 
Because those mm-hmm. creepy ass pictures with those fucking globes and shit. <laughs> yeah. My, I remember my stepfather was very much against uh, the UN and NATO. And then yeah. when the EU was coming around, he thought that was the end. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I remember when uh when Trump was trying to leave the UN and everything, and I was I remember just th- I w- I really would wonder how my father felt about. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it would be it yeah. one of the two. I can't remember. God damn it! Which which what year? Like it was it was probably the EU. If I'm oh well, no, yeah. when, when when Trump tried to uh, leave. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One of the two. I can't remember which one he tried to leave. He tried to leave everything, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the climate, fucking, all that shit. (laughs) No, no. So, yeah, yeah, we're out of here. Do they Um, have nuggets? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the end is nigh again for everyone. Uh, Things were fucking bleak, and uh, they're only going to get worse. The Great Depression and the Dust Bowl chipped away at the livelihood of the nation. The rise of fashion, fascism, fas, fascism, dear God, the rise of fascism in Europe only stoked fears or sympathies at home. Uh, there was a legitimate rise of fascism in this country prior to World War II. Uh, the scary mirrored images of today, uh, World War II and the Holocaust paved ways for the Jewish race to receive a portion of land as their home, new home state in 1948. Dispensationalism grew steadily through that time. All major Bible colleges were signing on to the Schofield Reference Bible that we discussed last, effort, last episode. Mm-hmm. The Bibles were also given out free in an effort to spread the message. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fucking propaganda. So, yeah, so these would be shipped to churches and they would just hand them out freely throughout the church as like a Bible reference. And you would use them for you would come to Bible study and your pastor would show you how to use it and go through it with you. And uh, you were encouraged to use it in your devotional time. Um, I know I was. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, and study and spread the word and be a fisher of men. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I left out of the last episode was something that Schofield puts into this Bible that was sort of a fringe theory at the time um, that was going to become more mainstream uh, in the evangelical community, um, uh, and that is the gap theory. Uh, have you ever have you ever heard of the gap theory before? No, but I'm excited. Anything that has fringe theory and a Bible, I get super stoked. <laughs> yeah. So this is the belief that God created the heaven and the earth in Genesis 1-1. Okay? So we're based there. Between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, a whole imagine Lord of the Rings app appendices side story happens i guess that nobody has a record record of where god had created a whole prior earth to ours satan got that earth to rebel and god crushed that earth and left it formless and void Ooh, that sounds dope so there was a pre-adamant adamant adamatic race i have a problem with that word which is what we yeah so we talked about that back in the um the aliens episode um but this is a different type of take on that so when they died their souls were sent to the bottomless pit which we'll come back to in a little bit 
so fucking metal, dude. It sounds like the end of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it's like, really fuck. Fucking pops up and just destroys it with a big sword. Yeah. <laughs> so in this type of theory, God essentially fucked up, hit the reset button. Um, and like he ran out of lives, you know, on level one, one of more Super Mario. Uh, he re Mulligan. yeah, he reincreates the entire earth and creates everything all over again. Now, this whole belief does a few things it gives the whole world of dispensationalism even more mythical power, it also helped fight back against the rise of science in the late 1800s and early 1900s. There was now a gap between God creating the earth and what he created six to 10,000 years ago that we're in now. Uh, that gap is unknown. So that helps explain the age of the earth that we have through actual science. Um, dinosaur fossils could also be explained minus the whole living with humans issues that they always bring up and the young earth creation gives us. But this is a way that they're able to say that dinosaurs... I essentially came around during this time period between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, and they were destroyed. And that's why we have fossils. Okay. So, is, so is, is, is the whole belief that, that Genesis 1, 1, that whole earth is like when we, so we were built on the skeleton of the old earth is basically what you're essentially saying. yeah oh, so okay, he gotcha. yeah that's where i was lost for a second i thought you were saying like over here he did that then came here and built the new one I didn't no, know no, no 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 so there was one earth he built it when when he realized he fucked up like he did with noah mm, um right, right, right. he uh he destroys the whole entire earth and everything on it mm. and apparently during that time there was a pre a, like a race but before before human beings wow. and there were also dinosaurs so i can see how uh, that would be believable to be completely honest with all the other stories in the bible and shit like you referred to mm -hmm. like noah and stuff it makes total sense yeah That's so okay this theory is that there's a gap between the gap isn't isn't necessarily the the unknowable gap of when how long between the two Earth's God created. Destroy the last one, and when yeah. started the new one, then no one yeah. knows how long that existence. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so there's a gap somewhere in there that they just made up. So I love having more useless Christian shit <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so in like, and I've heard this before because it's a good way to explain when somebody says, "Well, the Earth is ten million years old," or whatever they say. Um, they're able to say, okay, well, that's explainable because God created the earth, destroyed it, waited God knows how long, and then rebuilt it. And, that, and now we're living on the 6,000-year-old earth or 10,000-year-old earth. Yeah, that would, yeah, that sounds like something someone would definitely bring up in like a debate for that and be, feel like they just dropped the mic. But mm -hmm. then you just hit them with whoever came up with that is a pretty good solid storyteller and they should probably <laughs> write a book, but it doesn't make any fucking sense scientifically. <laughs> I'm really surprised that nobody, I mean, I'm sure somebody like did fan fiction or whatever, but I'm really surprised there hasn't been like the, the person that we're going to be going into, like a, like even a Bob mm -hmm. Larson or that kind of headspace of like making up that life before ours, you know, kind right. of vision. Yeah, no, absolutely. I th I totally feel like now, like with uh, like I feel like I understand the process of the making of Noah now, the the Ridley Scott movie, because like if mm -hmm. you knew nothing about the Bible and someone sat him down and just give him a quick, you know, dry rundown of 
the flood the giants blah 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 whatever just some crazy fucking story but like of course i want to make that movie like, yeah if someone just if you just told a random person what you just fucking told me they had no idea they think that that probably was a dope-ass story that <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? it sounds like something from lord of the rings like you said it sounds like the fucking battle of the five armies or whatever the fuck it, it it's just like those Lord of the Rings stories that just keep coming out that you're just like I don't even know what this means. Like it's the right. that new um what is it the new Amazon show that they're doing, like off of stuff power. that yeah that nobody's ever read and it's like right. okay, it's also um, the most redundant fucking title. It's the Lord of the Rings, the mm-hmm. Rings of Power. It's like well the Lord <laughs> of the Rings would be that. So <laughs> so. Anyway. Schofield puts this gap theory in the in his Bible with a ton of references uh, to other points in the Bible to support that theory, just like he did with the rapture and the path of the Jews and everything else. Mm. This was all truth now to a growing snake with an unknown amount of non-denominational heads. No one in the path would ever would be spared. My own personal belief is that the Schofield Reference Bible, along with some other uh, people and publications, gave a green light to to confirmation bias within the church. Your pastor, your pastor, cut away from other denominations because they don't agree with with them over a minute detail and form their own church or denomination. At the same time, a Christian could walk down the street and pick and choose which church their own would fit their own belief. It's a laissez-faire Christian capitalism be- belief structure. Um, yeah. You can, you, we've known this. My um, my mother and stepfather left the church because they wouldn't allow them to get married. Now that's an extreme thing, but that's still something where you're like, okay, um, I want to do this, even though you think it's wrong. So well, now I'm going to go conform to a different church, oh, you yeah, know, so... The- yeah, one of the biggest reasons that we started bouncing around well, after we were, like, I was baptized Lutheran, went to that church, like, my whole life, and then when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. like I said before, we just started, I don't know, we're bouncing around, and it was because uh, people started questioning my dad's uh, drinking and the way he was acting, and yeah, just his behavior, like, he wasn't doing anything too crazy yet, but, like, you know, people were just, just people were just questioning things, and then we were just, like, out of there, like, oh, well, I'm allowed to drink, you know what I mean, and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say we can't drink. We're not going to go to that church anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but your parents weren't stuck in a Methodist or Presbyterian church. If the pastor said something from the pulpit your mom didn't like, you could be church shopping for the next few weeks. You could also live in a town that has been swallowed by a faith or a denomination, and you lived in a more of a uh, restricted echo chamber. Um, there's also we've heard stories of people coming on the podcast like that and then like you go out to like utah or in like the whole entire town is mormon or you go to the south and the whole entire town is baptist you know so it's It's uh it's like walking into a hobby lobby you know what i mean like everything is like walking walking into one of those towns is like walking into a hobby lobby because it has everything you're looking for for a craft store but then you're like Every time you turn around too, it's like Jesus is the way or open your heart to God. Like, oh, okay, I just wanted to buy a bath mat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, this this little pe- heart pillow here says believe or burn. I'm gonna buy that. <laughs> All right. This uh, this um, this homemade for homos. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like we've said before, and this is relating to that, uh, we aren't all the same faith background, but we're all part of the same system. 
um, just one extreme or the other. Uh, in but getting back to the story, in comes the guy that was late to our party last episode, Clarence Larkin. I wanted to talk a little bit about him because he's really interesting. Um, Larkin was an engineer, and that would explain his amazing drawing abilities. Did you have a chance to look over the the images yeah, at all? Yeah, they were pretty, yeah. Gotcha. It took me a second to acclimate my brain with what the record mm-hmm. going, <laughs> but I figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, if you if anybody wants to look at it, you just got to look up a uh, Clarence Larkin uh, dispensationalist truth, and you you should be able to find uh, like Google images, and you'll see some of the 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 artwork that he does, and it's it's mind blowing. And if you go back over some of the stuff that we went over the last two episodes, you'll have a better feeling of what is in there. And yeah. you know, as soon as I started understanding it and learning it, I was going through and it was making a lot more sense. Yeah. as weird as it is <laughs> so yeah well but, one of those things where you just basically see the bread clump bread breadcrumbs he laid himself so he could mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um we won't go into his backstory but he basically took john nelson darby's and the schofield bible and made their teaching into a pictorial manual um it was a brilliant idea now you could not only teach from the Schofield Bible, but now you can inform, you could show uninformed people or people that couldn't read um, pictures or a guide uh, with his own set of notes and insights of the Bible. He called that book, and get ready for this, the greatest book on dispensational truth in the world you by Clarence Larkin. You said it wrong. <laughs> it's the greatest book. And dispensational truth in the world. <laughs> I'm serious. They tell me everybody calls me. They say it. They say it's the greatest book on dispensationalism. It's just like, dude, could you be more full of yourself? Like, uh, like no doubt, it's an amazing book. Like, I, I really want to buy like an original copy of one if I could ever get my hands on one, Back just to look at it. Um, yeah. And I've read a good amount of it while researching this, and it's kind of fucking nuts. But um, he made the case for the gap theory as well as every other dispensational idea there was, including some of his very own. He, be- yep, he believed that demons were not fallen angels. Oh, no, 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 no. Quoting Clarence Larkin. The demons are not to be classed as angels. They appear to be disembodied spirits. Some think of the pre-Adamite earth. The inhabitants being disembodied because of the sin that caused the pre-Adamite earth to become chaotic. This is plausible. This is absolutely plausible. Because they seek to re-embody themselves in human beings. They are wicked, unclean, vicious, and have power to derange mind and body. See, that makes sense in this in this context. <laughs> Absolutely makes sense in any context. What are you talking about? <laughs> and also, it just sounds like a really fucking cool. Like it sounds like. Oh, it sounds constant. All... It sounds like the next Constantine. <laughs> it sounds like that movie Fallen with Denzel Washington, where that oh demon just God, keeps jumping is. from body to body, and like, but like. <sighs> it's it's an amazing thought process of going from 
hey, we're going to put this gap theory in here. Oh, there's there's this race that that of humans that never existed that existed, but God destroyed them all. But their spirits went to the bottomless mm-hmm. pit. So now they're going to be demons. <laughs> so like, oh my good God. storytelling. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is this is another good one. Uh, Larkin, for some reason, included a chapter in the book about the Great Pyramid of Egypt, and that he believes that the Great Pyramid of, it, Pyramid of Egypt was built by none other than Job. Oh boy. <laughs> he makes he makes. Uh, I was going to put it in here, but it take too long. He puts a very detailed argument about the the centerpiece of the pyramid and like there's some scripture something that job said about knowing dimensions or whatnot so he took that as that he knew how to build the pyramid and he built the pyramid i'm just like oh my god and people believe this guy and and then you just got to pick and choose what you like out of there and you just move on to the next thing you know right right what makes the most sense to you and then you can start telling other people that and maybe if you think that you could add to it just a tiny tweak who know who would know mm-hmm. the difference <laughs> mm-hmm. so hey, we don't we... before we move on do me a favor remind me again um what's the i for some reason ever since i was a little fucking kid i think it was because mainly they're just three letter names the difference between lot and job lot was in sodom and gomorrah right yeah, Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and yeah, he he escaped tested, his. Right? Yeah, he was the one that lost everything, and then God, yeah, God, like, do you still love me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he gave him everything back. Um, but yeah, so that was a really interesting concept he came up with. But it's just like the stuff they keep making it up, and like then the next person comes along and be like, "Oh, I don't." The Job thing sounds fucking insane, and demons like are they're not disembodied. Let's throw that. Okay, but I like this part you know so it but it's it explained why i didn't hear a lot about it concerning the church mm -hmm. too where it was all old people who didn't want to give a fuck about any of this crazy shit (laughs) (laughs) i could totally see like a joel osteen or something going nuts for this oh yeah he's a little bit more level-headed than that it'd have to be it had to be like some kind of money involved with it uh for him to get behind it yeah (laughs) I guess remember that time that he defended Joel Osteen. (laughs) So regardless of all this, uh, these ideas and impending end times had just about everything it needed to grow. It was a massive, um, there were a massive amount of publications coming out, higher learning, pushing out pastors and leaders. Uh, A central text was with, with pictures to go with it, social and political upheaval and so on. Cyrus Schofield, Dallas Church, first congregational church, had been renamed in honor of Schofield uh, and had been taken over by Schofield's closest pupil, Lewis Berry Schaefer, after Schofield passed away. Now, I wasn't going to include this. (laughs) All these dudes are convicted of some sexual crime and they moved and changed their names. Yeah, yeah, that's eh, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um, so originally in this episode, we were gonna watch, we were gonna watch uh, a movie at the end of this, but my research went so crazy that I had to con- keep including this bullshit. Um, <laughs> but uh, I realized that the this this dude dreamt up a whole dreamt up a whole absolute moral nightmare. Um, but something that we might have been raised under but I'll try to keep it brief. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Schaefer um, was spiritually raised under Schofield's wing and developed his own belief structure under the abstract of what came down the line to Schofield. Schaefer founded the Dallas Theological Seminary in 1924, which is, a hu- which is huge to the story, but not the issue to Schaefer. Schaefer liked to fuck around with the idea of grace. I wouldn't, I won't get into the weeds. And if I'm wrong describing this, please somebody reach out to us. But basically, his idea is that all a person needs to do is believe in Christ and you are saved. You are under the grace of God. Now, anything after that, that anything that happens after that point will not determine your salvation. You are born again, and thus you can't be unborn or die. Your eternal, your eternal spiritual life is saved from that point on. You were born as a child, and you are mature, and reward in the afterlife is determined on how you react to Christ within your life. This is called free grace salvation. But I like the other term, easy believism. Mm. Now, this belief had been toyed with since the 1400s but it didn't make an injection into the mainstream Christianity until dispensationalism dispensationalism took it by the hand. This is contrary to the belief when you receive Christ as your savior, you will submit to his lordship and will work towards living a more Christ-like life. And this is what's called lordship salvation. Hmm. So now free grace people will claim that a saved person will work towards a more Christ-like life, but it's not forced or made a requirement to salvation. Do you see anything fucked up with this? I'm, wow. Is this just like, have, is this, did you like come through this while you're researching this or is this yes. just what you remember? No, this is when I was researching this. Like I, I have heard this type of thinking before. Because it's it's an attack against it's attack against like social Christianity, um, yeah. It's like where it's like, like work based Christianity, um, basically you can be a big giant piece of shit and it's okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, these are all like yeah, it's weird because like the, I don't know. So when we really young, like listening to all like hearing shit like that and like, yeah, you're it's hearing you say it out loud is another, it's just one of those things again for me where it's just like, Oh God, that's weird. Yeah. Because when, when you were a Christian, let's say prior to this, it wasn't perfect. Let's, let's not, let's not hide that. But like your goal was to leave the earth a better place. Your right. goal is to make the earth ready for Christ to come back. Right. Um, and so your, your, I don't know, your uh, motivation mm-hmm. to, to do that is taken out of there if the world's just going to end anyway. And Christ is going to come back before the destruction happens. So all this is a sign right. going on. So you mix this in there. With it, you're saying that, hey, you all you have to do, do is say, hey, Jesus, I believe in you, and I'm saved. Good. I'm good. You're now, right. anything after that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Make, make sure you say a few good words. Yeah. 
So I get what you're saying. It's 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 a it's a recipe for just disaster essentially yeah it just tears everything it just takes away it takes away the whole support system the structure it's supposed to be built on and you can the goal yeah it's already there <laughs> you can say you can say you believe in christ or you believe in jesus you accept him into your life or whatnot and not live by any of the standards Fuck. Yeah. and it's okay right right that's because you're good. saved now your true rewards now you're saved you're going to go to heaven your eternal salvation is 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 insured in now when you get to heaven you are going to be judged on what you did on earth now judgment not in salvation you're still going to heaven on what you get from god at that point on like a materialistic kind of like your 50 crowns in your house on the river jordan you know so now you're only going to get one crown in a in a three bedroom apartment on you know I don't know in Tel Aviv I don't fucking know you know so it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense it's it's a free pass and you and with that scale the one where uh, you're explaining you only get those things it's all it's it's judged based on how often you put the word out more than anything, mm -hmm. how often mm -hmm. you, you know, yeah, that's so yeah. fucking weird, dude. It's just like, yeah. it's like, it's like social media. It's like, how many followers do you have? Did you tell them about me? Yeah, you go ahead. Get in there, you little fucker. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you and I get upset when we don't see Christians feeding the poor, right. because that's what Jesus told us to do. That's more of a lordship salvation that we're looking at that we want them to have of you should submit to what the lord tells you to do and he's telling you to feed the poor so yeah, right you there. should be yeah. fucking doing that because that's part of your job you know, of your say. belief structure mm -hmm. you know been told so, this new way of thinking where the world's gonna end anyway and you've already been saved regardless of what happened. So you don't give a shit about this guy that doesn't have any food because he is probably not going to go with you because you're a good person. And he's probably not because he probably doesn't believe yeah. you and you're a good God. Because yeah. And, and you can also say, well, I'm just working towards it. I'll get there eventually. Right. I should you know? do that, but I can't today. <laughs> so, um, now, Schaefer was not only pumping dispensationalism and rapture into the new classrooms at uh, Dallas uh, Seminary, but also this revised vision of what salvation is and what it looks like uh, to the world to be a Christian. This was also used against legalistic faiths, but also to leftist Christianity that might want to say, hey, Jesus told us to feed the poor. And then they say, nah, right. Some believers and pushers of easy believism are Dwight Pentecost, Schofield himself believed in it, Chuck Swindell, an author, <laughs> an author of Prosperity Gospel book, The Prayer of Jabez, Bruce Wilkerson. I hope I said that right. Um, and if you but, don't, fuck him. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. You can. Um, no, I wasn't. No. But, <laughs> but moving on, Billy Graham started his empire along with many to follow in his footsteps 
uh, as he followed Moody's. Then the 19... 19- <laughs> then the 1950s gave way to the upheaval of the 1960s. Again, as white as as white Christian male, the world could be seen as crumbling. Only now we have television, and we can see it on the nightly news along with our newspapers. Uh, I was getting every morning in my monthly newsletters. On Sunday, my preacher went from sermons on helping the poor to the earth is going to end soon, and we need to get ready. Yeah, I'm listening to a Behind the Bastards episode right now about how they also uh, injected capitalism into uh, into sermons uh, back in back in then, and they were paid to by corporations and stuff like that. It was I'm getting into it right now, so yeah, it's really fucked up. Yeah, no, anyway, it's probably another instance too where it's going to reach it out to you that you realize now where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh. For all the progress that uh, the movement had made, uh, it hadn't had had a game changer since the Schofield Bible. Billy Graham was winning people to the Lord with massive meetings and altar calls. My mother was saved by Billy Graham over the TV. Um, Billy Graham was also a dispensationalist, but the thing that was really missing was a massive crossover appeal. He was the Mr. Mr. Big, just to be with you, and the church needed a Smells Like Teen Spirit, 1992 reference. That's really fucking great. (laughs) Sex sells, but chaos... No, no... No problem. Uh, sex sells, but <laughs> chaos, violence, and disaster do also. Uh, coming out of Vietnam, the country had changed as well as entertainment. Disaster films first made a huge splash in the early 1970s, uh, and they all had really bad generic names like airport, heat wave, flood, tidal wave. Uh, but some were really, yeah, but some of them were really great. <laughs> like the towering inferno the adronomous strain uh some new evolution evolutions in film were happening in the horror world also a new world was emerging with rabid fan with a rabid fan base large animals and swarms of animals were now a class of horror the birds and and jaws but also following by f- frogs and night of the lepus uh, the dystopian to uh no, Lando Lepus. It's it's a movie about. No, it's a, it's a. I've seen it. It's a movie about uh, giant rabbits that destroy a town. Um, amazing. Yeah, the dystopian to um, apocalyptic genre with uh, with Planet of the Apes, the Omega Man, Soylent Green. People were flocking to bookstores and to the movie theater to jump into Satan with Rosemary Baby, The Exorcist, and The Omen. But the church had denounced most of this pop culture cockadoody, but the general public ate that shit up, like myself in the cold darkness of my kitchen with stale donuts at 3 a.m. They needed, they just needed something to bridge this gap. And in steps, Hal Lindsey. Do you know a lot about Hal Lindsey? Do you know anything about Hal Lindsey? I didn't. I. The way I'm approaching this one is this is a name that I heard a lot as a kid. The name, just hearing the name freaked me out because how much my dad would say his name. 
But mm-hmm. it was one of those things as I got older, I distanced myself the fuck away from it. Didn't want to learn about it, didn't want, and I still haven't. So I'm ready to ride this fucking train, man. <laughs> okay. So not as not a, there's not a lot known about Hal Lindsey. Uh, he's a pretty private guy. Uh, he has lived a pretty secret life. There's some stuff here and there that we know about. Uh, he was born November 23rd, 1929. So he's getting pretty old. He's still alive. Uh, he loved to drink and womanize and dropped out of college. He was drafted into the Korean War, uh, but he enlisted into the Coast Guard to avoid going to Korea. He went to serve in New Orleans for four years in the Coast Guard and got married when he was 26. Uh, he admitted to spending a lot of that time drunk and driving a tugboat. So <laughs> That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the life he should have just had instead of what he's right. getting into. So with a name like Cal. When I went, yeah, with anything else. When I, when I said uh, earlier, when you said all the womanizing and stuff, that wasn't me. Like in my name, that was me. Going, oh, typical Christian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1956, I was like, oh, nice, cool. <laughs> in 1956, he went to hear a controversial and prophetic uh, pastor, Robert Thiem. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. T h i e m e or Thime. Time, Thyme. We'll say Thyme. Robert Thyme uh, speak, and he got hooked on biblical prophecy. Again, another thing I was going to skip over, but theme or time, Thyme, Thyme here. Um, he's yeah. <laughs> it's it's really critical to see how uh, Lindsay's flower got watered. Um, <laughs> No, this, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> this is why you just don't trust Wikipedia. Move on. Thyme was described as humble and gentlemanly. Um, Thyme was a World War II vet who uh, who went and got his master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary in 1949. His thesis was Armageddon, an investigation. <laughs> Armageddon, an investigation on the campaign of the great day of God the Almighty. Oh my God, what a title. <laughs> <laughs> so you can so you can see uh, what a somewhat passive believer he was in pre-millennial dispensationalism. Just um, a tad bit. Yeah, just a tad bit. <laughs> uh, I watched him preach and I watched him teach on, on YouTube. Uh, he is very effective in what he's trying to do and what, and how he's trying to teach in the video. He was a massive success in the world of the Christian tape industry. If you grew up in the age of cassettes, your parents probably had a large amount of sermons or lecture tapes. Uh, it was it was huge, and I'm probably bringing up a lot of memories for people. Uh, it was huge business in the late 60s to 90s, which eventually slipped over to CDs. Um, uh, he would put ten, yeah, he would put tens of thousands of tapes out a month. He would send them out. Uh, he preached over ten thousand sermons on tape. He would he would hold Bible classes every day of the week and twice on Sunday, not including all the sermons that he would preach. Thyme would also also often wear military dress to preach, oh and he would he would be referred to as the colonel. Of course, he would. Which is blasphemy because there's only one colonel in my heart. And mine. 
<laughs> Basically, picture Arlie Emery mixed with Cotton Hill in looks, mannerisms, and speech. Jesus. Yeah. So I just like every time I just I was just watching the episode where Cotton Hill dies on King of the Hill, and I'm just like, <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Uh, he would be he would be accused of running a cult-like environment uh, with his Houston what? church, but I don't see anything that would give that idea. No, uh, he, he would. Just the, he just he was just like, let me just dovetail into Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> there was a very different theme that you Thyme. I keep messing up his name. Thyme that you would see uh, in person compared to on tape. Uh, he would yell scream and berate his congregation he would scream about his hate for the liberals and long-haired hippies he was once speaking at a bible college and a few of the students weren't paying attention and theme lost his shit when someone in the crowd said something back to him he challenged them to a fist fight (laughs) that is the funniest shit ever He's like, hey, pay attention. (laughs) He's like, pay attention. And they're they're like, we are. He's like, you motherfucker, I'll fight you. What's that? Who's the one with the lip? I see the one with the hair. Who's got the lip? You dumb motherfucker. (laughs) If you didn't have your Bible in church, he would tell you to get your ass out of here and then would kick them out of church. Oh, sounds like you didn't bring your building supplies. You need to get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> he ran his church with an iron fist and would crush any dissent. From an AU Houston article about Thyme and responding to a dissert- dissertation by Joe Hall about Thyme's ministry, Hall noted Thyme had a strong disdain for what he considered to be liberals or long hairs. He he taught that conscientious objectors were cowards. Real real, real Christians were supposed to fight for the nation. This fighting was justified in killing of women and children, according to the Houston cleric. Witnesses told me he openly stated it is our godly given right to kill gooks and n-words. Oh my god. Christian oh Christian national themes abounded in his ministry. He implied America was a theocracy and justified war waged by the nation as being divinely authorized. The pastor was was strong on male dominance and taught that husbands own their wives. Sounds about right. He was known to proclaim that one woman for one man, which was predetermined by divine providence, that there is one right man for every woman, according to God's provisions. End quote. That that last one was kind of just like a dig. Like, so don't think about no same sex shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's some crazy shit, man. But it's like, the thing that was blowing my mind the most about all of this shit is how long ago this was, and I'm pretty sure I watched this shit on TikTok like today. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, these 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 pastors are the same, dude. And the, to see it was this bad back then too is fucking. It just yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 
It's it hasn't, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, they haven't progressed much. Um, so this was not only being fed to, to not only Hal Lindsey, but to the former vice president and Mr. Can't Spell Potato, 1988 presidential hopeful Dan Quayle. A 1980 article outlined how the Quayle family, mainly Quayle's wife and her parents, are associated with Thyme and how they support his wackadoo views. It partially responsible for hurting his chances over George Bush. Um, it hurt him. <laughs> it hurt him a lot that he was a huge moron and that George Bush ran the CIA. But other than that, that hurt his that hurt his chances. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Did you ever see the video of him uh, correcting the kid on how to spell potato? I seen it when I was younger. I oh yeah, he put an e on the end of it. He told the kid he was wrong and then put an e on the end of it. So like it was I potato, see. like it's toe. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I just remember growing up and that's all everyone was talking about for the longest fucking time. And I was super young. I was like, I don't know what's happening, but everyone's talking about potatoes and a quail. <laughs> just think simpler times back then spelling oh, potato man. wrong could get you kicked out of a presidential election like you wouldn't be able to run for president back then i don't even want to admit how many times i've screamed that in my living room the past five years <laughs> trump and no offense to joe biden but they can't put a, a, a string of words together to save their lives you know it's, and oh, i'm bad enough but it's 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 rough um so uh this this is the man who mentored and gave Hal Lindsey his new life. He would call Thyme dad, and Thyme would point Lindsey to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. Thyme also was a big believer in free grace salvation and took it even further to a heresy areas, believing that someone could be saved and then take on another faith and still be faith, saved. He also played down the power of the blood of Christ, which got him into a lot of deep shit. But a lot of this was either coded or or just taken away from his tape ministry. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's very I was reading a lot of the stuff and it was just like, OK, so basically I can become a Christian and then become anything else. And then I'm still saved. I got that hole punched. <laughs> that doesn't mean, yeah, that's. That takes fucking picking and choosing to a whole new level, man. That's literally like, that. That's like if you like, if you got arrested and you just whipped a get get out of jail free card out of your pocket and you mm -hmm. like, you just one hundred percent believed it was gonna work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but did you see this though? <laughs> but look, <laughs> but read it. You're not reading it correctly. It says I can leave. <laughs> um. So Lindsay moves to Dallas in 1958 to go to ceremony, ceremony seminary. Uh, it also seems that someone in Dallas got arrested in 1958 for stealing a radio named Harold Lee Lindsay, but there's no confirmation that it was that Harold Lee Lindsay. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay would get divorced sometime between 1955 and 58. Um, he got married again in 1961. Lindsay that happens, also... That happens so much with these people that, you know, that divorce is bad, though. 
Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll run into it again with Lindsay. Um, <laughs> Lindsay also got invited uh, with the with the National Christian College Outreach anti can Let me start that whole line over. Lindsay also got involved with the National Christian College Outreach anti-communist organization called Campus Crusade. Quick breakdown, started by Bill Bright at UCLA after being inspired by Billy Graham to reach out to college kids. It grew and included athletics and many other outreach efforts. I wasn't able to find about how Robert Thine became a major influence on Bill Bright um, as well as Campus Crusade. Um, I did find a like a 10 record set that Campus Crusade did that they sent out um, uh, with a whole bunch of sermons on it. And Thyme was on one of the sermons um, along, I believe, with Billy Graham. Yeah. And some other people. Um, I'm going to make a small assumption here that Thyme and Bright were brought together for their hate of the communists. uh, And Thyme didn't want to see the next generation of college kids to turn into the long haired pinko pussy cosmonauts he was so desperately afraid of. (laughs) <laughs> so um i think that had a lot to do with it and uh yeah uh i didn't add it in here because i just read it before i got on but um oh, okay uh Lindsay, part of his thing was he moved to california i believe and then he started with campus crusade and was like running sort of like this it wasn't like a flop house but it was like a come hang out house for like ex-hippies and druggies and like yeah. they indoctrinated them there with 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 all this stuff. So, it yeah, like it was a. It sounds like it was a uh, Venus flytrap. Sort <laughs> of Christian Venus flytrap for hippies. <laughs> we're gonna go into the Jesus people sooner or later, and yeah. that we're gonna talk. We'll hey, we'll call it the Venus flytrap of Christianity. I don't care. That's that's a very good way of putting it. Um, Instead of honey potting, because everybody else. Yep. That. Yeah. Um. Uh, but it's, it's so weird, like, talking about that and how weird it is. That, like, that's just so interesting to us, with just these old preachers on a recording together. But we're talking about it like, do you hear that old tape where it's got Hendrix and Dylan singing those Beatles songs? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking weird. Yeah, I was going to buy it, but I'm just like, nah, I don't need it. It's like 10 bucks on, yeah, I know. <laughs> we're just like, I was going to get it. It's cool to have in my collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, (laughs) you wet yet? (laughs) (laughs) Let me turn these lights down. Did you hear Uh, Hal in there too? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there they go. There they go. (laughs) He's got me rock hard. Uh, uh, Thyme pushed Lindsay to uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and I believe that he pushed him to work for Campus Crusade. I don't know that though. Um, I think this is incredibly crucial to the story and how and why we are where we are today. Um, I don't see that many people have made this connection. Lindsay would travel around the country from the early to late 60s, preaching to college crowds every week about biblical prophecy and dispensationalism. Mm -hmm. During that time, Lindsay was working on his first book that would cover both topics But something else he was doing was grooming a generation of crossover Christians to buy into a doomsday culture. He lays the first tracks for almost 10 years from this rapture train to run on. 
each campus every night, Lindsay was showing 20-somethings dealing with the growing civil rights movement as well as Vietnam and how this was all part of God's plan towards Armageddon. Lindsay could play into those fears with a new headline and find some other link with it in scripture. So I think it's really important that people don't realize that through Campus Crusade, he was basically taking his eventual books, books that he was going to write and basically preaching them for 10 years across the country to a certain age group. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at that age group and what they went on to become, which was like mostly the Jesus people and, you know, our parents. Right. So um, I think it's really vital to this. Yeah. You say like there's some kind of like social thing that happened there or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's not how the church is, man. (laughs) Yeah. The thing I think is important about this is that is, you're going to college so you're mostly speaking to people that aren't aren't christians or just like average you know back then you know weren't didn't really care that much about christianity um and they're sucking this stuff up to try to explain what's going on in the world so scared college kids you know and you're showing them a specific way how to go and now you know now you have them set up for the next decade, which is going to come. Um, so, right. and you're basically yeah. Taking also, if if you're listening to what they're saying about it, you're taking that, you're taking that and including it into, are using it if you want to make it more terrifying or something by mm-hmm. using their fears and shit like that. If that's the case, oh it's yeah, more they relatable yeah. to them to fit to your fucking full thing that you're trying to work out. That's crazy. It's yeah. If, if anybody was, was, you know, energy vampiring, you know, living off everybody's fucking anxieties, it was, it was, you know, how Lindsay and people like him throughout this time, um, you might claim the media living off fear and whatnot, but these guys, man, they need it to, they need it to survive. They need it for oh, their yeah. money. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, and then there's this, there's those fucking people that fit right into that community so all those fucking predators and shit they use that shit to their advantage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um i'm not gonna say it but we know what i'm referring to again <laughs> <laughs> um I'm try to so this to my dad's an episode <laughs> yeah uh this playbook is nothing new uh to those who went uh to a rapture believing church we spent services services where our pastor would bring current events and then pull up a scripture and how this is a piece of God's puzzle. And ignorantly, we would nod in agreement. It's a game that Lindsay was very, very skilled at playing. Um, it's almost like a Russell Brand bit where he gets on stage and starts reading the fucking headlines. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. did you hear this one? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the people, Bruce Gore, I listened to while researching the John Nelson Darby episode said that back in the 60s uh he was going to see going to see Lindsay was a really big deal um even before his book made him a superstar so this, i think he said it was back in 1968 uh Lindsay was making a case for the rapture to come no later than 1975 okay. uh which of course he changed later but um he <laughs> this guy Bruce Gore is uh he's very good at teaching he's a seminary teacher and he has his 
if you take the scripture out of it and like the spirituality out of it, he's a very good teacher of what he does. Um, but he was explaining how he was hopped up on the Lindsay thing before all, but like during campus crusade and how big of a deal it was that he was, they drove like four hours to go see him or something yeah. and like, like a rock concert. So um, I was on the Lindsay train. <laughs> I was ready to go. <laughs> Fucking hell, uh, without question. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it makes you wonder, too. Like, could you imagine being in one of those rooms with the dudes? Like, if, like, the date that you said the rapture is going to happen passes, and they're, you're just, just, they're all sitting in a room together, no one's talking because, you know, disappointed and shit. And then there's that one guy that's like, maybe it did. And it just and then, Shut up, Richard. Shut the fuck up. Not the time. Read the room. <laughs> I did, and we're here. So I'm saying maybe we weren't chosen. <laughs> so without question, Lindsay had all the skills that were needed to push his message. Uh, he was a great speaker and teacher. He knew his biblical prophecy index. Uh, he was armed with the Schofield Reference Bible. He was getting ready to hand out his uh, potent punch to the masses. He was now the head of the snake that started with Darby and went to Brooks, Moody, and Schofield. He was educated in the Yale of disp dispensationalism. Uh, he had daddy theme letting him suckle at his gray hairy teat. He had a very he had a very large groomed audience of early adults already on the edge of their seats for more. You had a general public in, in love if they knew it or not, for violence, gore, destruction, Satan, and horror. Reminds me of he that was old, a uh, yeah. that old Monty Python bit. Blood devastation. <laughs> <laughs> he was a rising star with everything he needed. Lindsay got both a major gift and a major push in 1967. The next important step in biblical prophecy took place and it only pushed the growing dispensationalist movement. As the United States was bogged down in Vietnam, anxiety, and anger, the same grew in the Middle East. Tensions came to a head between Israel and a number of neighboring, neighboring countries, including Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and Iraq. The Six-Day War took place between June 5th and June 10th, 1967. We're not going to go into the ins and outs, winners or losers, or who's at fault, or the results, uh, really. But we'll talk about what really matters. Israel established themselves as a power, not only in the region, but to the world. To dispensationalists, that means that Israel could now be in enough power to take the next step in the prophecies. Right. The Antichrist could be on the rise to make his covenant with the nation. Mm -hmm. The Soviet Union who is seen as against Israel because they had helped some of the other countries uh, was being seen as a major threat from the East, from the terms Gog and Magog. Um, this was pushed a lot by Lindsay. Um, the more significant thing was that Israel had more than doubled its size as it took the Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, Golan Heights, and most importantly, the West Bank including the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. This is where the Jewish nation was to rebuild the Holy Temple and thus fulfill more prophecy, and we would move even closer to the Antichrist coming to power and the rapture beginning. 
without this happening, I don't think the book or Lindsay's career would have ever really taken off the way it did. So, um, yeah, I've just been internally screaming this whole time. <laughs> yeah, this is just, yeah, man, this is like ripping a fucking bandaid. This is also making me realize too that like I've been so will- willfully ignorant of all the shit that's gone on in the Middle East, Middle East, because of mm-hmm. how much this shit was in my ear as a kid. That like I yeah. just distanced myself. I was like, I don't want to hear it because it makes me think that the world's gonna fucking end. I hear you, buddy. And it sucks. It's really fucked mm-hmm. up. It's just like another little thing that's been like taken away from me for years that I could have, I could have known about what's going on. You know what I mean? I could have been knowledge. I had knowledge in it like respectfully, but instead I'm like, if I learn about that, you know, the antichrist is going to come. I'm going to get a chip <laughs> in my hand or I'm going to get a barcode on my forehead. My <laughs> oh, fuck man. <laughs> what, what you, what age were you in 96? I was only five. I was. Okay. And but I was I remember so vividly just the talks of all this shit, with the 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 wars in the Middle East, and then the but then the prophecies were the main thing, you know what I mean? But there was always the underlying. Of that's why I was yeah. That's why I was going to bring it up. In '96, I believe if I if my date's right, they were going to break into the Wailing Wall to go to to find. There was this, apparently they found a passageway. To go into yeah, it, and if I remember and, correctly, there was some big fucking conspiracy that if they did that, some right? Yeah, like the the um the Palestinian army or somebody shut it down, but like they wanted to see if the Ark of the Covenant was in there or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So there was there was a whole. We'll go over that because that was interesting. But that was that was that. I was wondering if that was if you were old enough during that time, which you kind of were. I guess that could have been like the start of. It, it definitely started that for me, but it, it, as mm-hmm. I got older and shit, and I, you know, and the, they never really let up with this shit, especially once, you know, the forever war started, you know, they were just like mm-hmm. hammering it more even so. And that was like when I was like, that happened when I was about 10, you know what I mean? And then it just progressed. So every time that something happened in the Middle East, it was linked to the ra- the rapture and book of revelations to me personally, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I would just be so willfully ignorant. And that, that was a lot of my life I've realized, you know, and I've been trying to get that shit back. But this yeah. is a new one that I'm now realizing where I'm like, oh fuck. It's another one that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, and I think we've I think we've been conditioned uh growing up that to believe that like everything that Israel does is right. Or we have to defend it because of biblical prophecy. I mean, no, nobody says that out loud. But uh, I mean, unless you're like like Pat Robertson like, or Jerry Falwell, but you know, our our nation leaders won't say it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I I agree with you 100 percent on that, and it's like it's mm-hmm. a it's a weird thing too because you just made me remember that when I was a kid. This is this is gonna sound so fucked up, but I remember other kids saying it too when I was in Sunday school and younger. But using Jerusalem to remember Jew, the bad. You know what I mean? No, I don't think. I mean, I get it, but I don't know if that's terrible. Hit hit us up if you think it's bad, and we should be. I mean, in trouble for kid, it. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> now I'm <just> explaining it. <laughs> Jerusalem. Were you saying it as like a like a slang, like like, or was it just a way to remember it, like the capital? No, but it's not the capital, really. is it? It's the capital now, isn't it? 
No, I'm saying like as we were kids, like I don't know, man. It was just I don't know. It, there was just so many. I'm I'm saying like there were just so many nonchalant things that were just used as idioms and shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where mm-hmm. we're just like that's. It's just questionable. There's just so many things that are questionable looking back on it. <laughs> where you're just like, I've I've had instances where I've said things and I'm like, wait, was that was that one of those things that I shouldn't actually say that was from my childhood? <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> oh man, I'm a terrible. Just take a deep breath. We're okay. We're still learning. Um, so yeah. <laughs> um, so now we're on the timeline again. We're in 1970. Hal Lindsey wrote his famous book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Happy 52nd birthday. Um, anyway, it was published by Zondervan, a name you might have heard of. Have you heard of that name? Zondervan? Does it ring a bell? No. Zondervan? It sounds like my name and Zoolander mixed together. <laughs> I think it might become a little bit more clear as I read this. Read this. Um, Zondervan was a pretty small operation. Uh, it started off as a bookstore in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It purposed a, it purchased a, the Bible department from Harper and Row in 1966, but was still boring as shit. And they just put out Bibles and like biographies of missionaries. Mm. This was the first big book that they would print. They printed. Uh, they printed the last, the late great planet Earth. Um, okay. We'll go over the. We'll go over the success of the book, um, but that was the first hit, and a hit is an understatement. Oddly enough, in the company's own t- timeline history, they do not mention the book. There's a gap between 1966 and 1971. What the fuck? If I was Creed and I didn't include with arms wide open, what's the point of me putting out a greatest hits album? Right. They do mention it in passing in the full bio, though. But like as the timeline of like founded, you know, and then they they go through certain spots where they put out like a certain book, like a big book, and they just mm-hmm. they they don't even put this in there. Um, he just said uh, parentheses vacation. <laughs> <laughs> this is only my. Yeah, so this is only my assumption. My assumption. I believe that the late great planet Earth allowed Zondervan to do their next big thing, which is definitely surpassing this book. This small company invested in the International Bible Society in 1971, probably with some of the money from the late great planet Earth that was coming in. In 1973, because of that, they were able to publish the new international version of the New Testament. In 1978, they changed the Christian world by publishing the entire new new international version of the Bible, or the NIV. I may be shooting in the dark here, but I believe the success of the late Great Planet Earth is directly responsible for the publication and popularity of the NIV Bible. Man, why is all this shit so connected? Like, so just perfectly. my, I'm listen. This is my own assumption and my own guessing, but I'm just looking at a timeline. Yeah, so. but you also just uh, did other like four other things that you put together with actual research and facts that made sense. So who fucking would doubt that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
sorry. Uh, but back on track. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay's book exploded onto a very hungry world. But wait, we got some breaking news, Donovan. I got. I got to. I got to tell you this. Okay. Lindsay didn't write the book, or he wrote very little of it. Oh, really? Not to say that he didn't express the ideas in the book, but oh. what made the book sell was not all Lindsay. Shocker. <laughs> so, if a young woman wanted to become a pastor back in the 1950s and 60s, but that was unheard of. So what do you do? You go into journalism, maybe. But what does one do when you want to be a spiritual leader, but you have talented for right? You have the talent for writing. You go straight. This is fucking ridiculous. Oh my god. Carol C. Carlson was the ghostwriter. Not a Car- real name. <laughs> it's a real Carol name. C. Carlson. Carlson. Yep. Are you fucking kidding me, Carol Carlson. <laughs> Triple C. If, if her name, if her middle name's not Cal, <laughs> I swear, Carol Cal Carlson. <laughs> Carol C. Carlson was the ghostwriter for at least, at least six of Lindsay's books, including the late great planet Earth. This is some bullshit. There is very little known about Carlson that I could find. Um, I found more information in her obituary. Than I found anywhere else reading from about anything about her. Is there, um, is there an obituary just like her finally admitting it? BT dubs, I wrote all that <laughs> shit. Bucks, Mike Trump, I'm out. In 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 the obituary, it says Carlson quote had also collaborated with Dr. Billy Graham, Dale Evans Rogers, Dr. David Jeremiah, and Corey Ten Boone. Okay. On best on best selling works of Christian literature, had had also had wrote these books for <laughs> some of the biggest names in Christian uh, writing ever. Uh, the fuck she, is Corey Ten Boom? Uh, she was an old um, oh God. I want to say it has something to do with the Nazis coming out of Nazi Germany, kind of like an Anne oh, Frank kind God. of thing, but lived. And like she wrote, she was a missionary, and she, and uh, Carlson wrote an auto wrote a biography of her, and like met her, and all this other weird stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, I was reading a, um, I, I found an excellent article on Medium called "Evangel Evangelicalism is Ghostwritten." Uh, many evangelical leaders from past and present rarely write their own books and rely on women and homosexuals to write the books for them. Dude, that was, how did if that? Oh my God, that would <laughs> oh, such an uproar if these people would just open a different fucking website than the ones they used to. Wait, what's this tab says? Homosexual, honey, put that goddamn book down right. <laughs> Them gays wrote that book. Really You're turning gay, aren't you? <laughs> oh my god their gay words are in my eyes i can't stop looking at penis <laughs> yeah um it was a very like they went into the fact that, that well not the fact but they they think that Bill, billy graham didn't write very many of his own books that's, um that's, yeah that's so this, yeah this is like literally like the fourth or fifth episode recently where we've just been like and by the way they stole it from a woman 
<laughs> it was not serious or it was just like yeah this is that and they're like this is religion <laughs> yeah yeah um it's interesting uh you I, I assume she got paid very very well um if she did not say anything like right, there's like, like she really good contracts for like billy's like an N, yeah like an nda but i mean i'm i'm pretty like i'm pretty sure they're gonna pay her if she's reading if she's writing for all these people yeah yeah, yeah. um she probably needs some fucking bank well you'll love this next part the most controversial thing i found about carlson is where she seemed to plagiarize herself when she took passages passages from the how Lin, how Lindsay's 1973 book there's a new coming there's a new world coming and put them directly in david jeremiah's 1990 book escape the coming night like word for word <laughs> there were a lot of things that she put in there were from the other book uh, i didn't That's i didn't so have funny. time to write them all down but um I yeah, I'm gonna look more into this woman if I can because that's all <laughs> she's making money off these motherfuckers. She's like, copy paste, where's my check? <laughs> um, I do not doubt that Lindsay had brought his own notes and ideas to this book. Um, but Carlson was obviously, by her known and unknown record, a very, very, very good at ghostwriting books. Mm. Um, Without her, this book wouldn't have been anywhere near the success it was. She was the real magic. Lindsay was the PR. He was the charming, big-ass mustache smile uh, with, a pre- with the preaching ability. She was the Johnny Marr, and he was the Morrissey for the Smiths reference. Um, I don't even like the Smiths. Um, but regardless, <laughs> regardless of this complete bullshit that was either hidden or underplayed, her names on some of the, on some of the books that she wrote, like underneath, it says how Lindsay with CC C. Carlson or Carol C. Carlson. Um, but anyway, uh, regardless of this complete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually her band um uh, <laughs> yeah right. she actually wrote all the music uh re- <laughs> she actually put that in some of the other books too yeah <laughs> you read about the rapture <laughs> gonna make you mo- what is this <laughs> regardless of this complete bullshit or e- either it was hidden or underplayed uh the book sold ready for this 28 million copies by 1990 and an estimated 30 to 35 million overall and translated into over 50 languages. The New York Times says it was the highest selling nonfiction book of the 70s. Oh, there you go. Lindsay was a sought after expert in the end of the, uh, to the end of the world that Christians and non-Christians wanted to hear. That's very important. Yeah. Biblical prophecy was the shit, just like Nostradamus was the shit after 9-11. Yep. No doubt I find it fascinating to a point, but when I realize it's just as valid as interpreting Dune as a futuristic truth, <laughs> regardless, it swept over the nation, and maybe some of our audience had their parents wrapped up in the in the Lindsay train. Uh, he was he was the left behind generation for he was sorry he was left behind for generation x yeah Lindsay would tour the country 
He would do interviews for Christian and non-Christian outlets. Again, very important. He was one of the first big Christian crossover successes. He had come up with, with a follow-up, which was Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. This was more of an attack on the secular world of psychology, New Ageism, Satanism, witchcraft, really getting the ingredients ready for the satanic panic. Um, Lindsay, we can. Why yeah. Though? Like, what did why he, he's just trying to live his best life too? Like, what the? Fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lindsay will continue to write, but as he did, and the years went on, the more and more predictions he was getting wrong. Um, but he was also making up ones too that didn't come to pass yet. Uh, he would get more into specific, we'll get more into specific next week, but Lindsay kept moving goalposts further and further back. So now they're in a completely different stadium and lost more and more credibility. That didn't stop Lindsay or his supporters. As Y2K came around and then 9 11, Christians were looking towards biblical prophecy again for answers. Lindsay would find a new home at TBN or Trinity Broadcasting Network. And yeah, uh, that's something you find on TV at like three in the morning when you wake up after you've like gotten high or drunk. (laughs) Yeah, right. Before they Pat Robertson's yelling at you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Before they got their own network when they were on fucking Fox Family after the 100 Club. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wake up to a Carmen music video. (laughs) Yep. Uh, so he would find a home at TBN and he'd host the international intelligence briefing, which was taken off the air for a month for being too anti-Islamic, which is saying something for TBN. <laughs> right. Which goes uh, back to my other point earlier about how yeah. I'm just like, I don't even want to know what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. So much hate has been just doused everywhere. <laughs> yep. Uh, Lindsay quit um, after that. He would start the How Lindsay Report, which is hosted by Daystar and Angel One. But he'd come back to TBN uh, with his with this new program less than two years later. Uh, he financed it all, so they took him back. Um, uh, in two thousand two thousand in two thousand eight, he said, "Obama is correct in saying that the world is ready for someone like him, a messiah-like figure." Care charismatic and glib the bible calls that leader the antichrist and it seems apparent that the world is now ready to make his acquaintance so that was full of uh, a bunch of contradictions (laughs) that was a hundred percent accurate as we know obama has risen to become the antichrist after he took all the bibles and guns away from everyone Um, i mean he did and he, he signed that he signed that peace treaty when he made that giant production deal with Netflix. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, nowadays, uh, Hal Lindsey has a huge fucking boner for what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine. I started to watch one of his newest episodes, but I couldn't stomach it uh, with everything going on in the world. And I turned it off. Uh, he isn't alone. Yeah, he is. He's still doing this bullshit. Um, he isn't alone. Uh, we've been seeing all over social media Christians claiming the end of the world and Christ is coming back soon. Like it's not in the abstract, but within a couple days, you know, soon. Um, This is troubling because it does not condemn Russia. It encourages them and it only in, it is turning their efforts. It's turning their efforts away from the ending or helping. Um, Let me start that over again. Um, 
this is troubling because it does not condemn Russia for their actions. It encourages them. And in efforts, it takes efforts from trying to help things to looking towards an end, like uh, Jesus is coming back. Right. Um, exactly. But uh, nothing, nothing matters anyway. It's all going to be over. Yep. Yep. And I've been seeing it on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, it's just your aunt's Facebook, your uncle's Instagram, your grandmother's, you know, just fucking like Christ is coming back. This is it. You know, it's like, no, a fucking country is getting destroyed on, on national TV and you're pushing your leaders to beat the drum of war. This <laughs> is like fucking stop it. Right. And you honestly don't care about yeah, any, they, the outcome because you think that the mm-hmm. world's about to end anyway. So shut the fuck up. You, you get the peace out. Shit. Right. You yeah. Believe that crazy shit. You go believe that in your own little house. Leave the rest of the yeah. world alone. Stop trying to influence everybody. Yeah. Um, next week we'll go Man. into yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next week we'll go more into specifics about the book. Uh, and then we're gonna be watching the 1979 film. The, la- the late great planet earth um oh, so that should be fun i thought um, you were gonna but, say i thought you were gonna say left behind that was exciting. oh no coming up uh <laughs> to to show you how big of an impact that Lindsay's book had uh how Lindsay is to be said to be responsible for converting bob dylan to christianity through the book wow dylan put out three christian albums from 1979 to 1981 slow train electric too right no that was before that uh slow train coming saved and shot of love dylan would use good amounts of dispensationalism and Lindsay's ideas within the lyrics in between songs of live performances oh my god i'm going to play you part of one of his uh concerts i believe from 1980 i mentioned to him well you're not watching now because russia is going to come down and attack the middle east it says this in the Bible. And I've been reading all kinds of books my whole life. I've magazines, books, or whatever I could get my hand on anywhere. And I've read, never, never found any truth in any of them, if you want to know the truth. But these things in the Bible, they seem to uplift me and tell me the truth. So, so I, I said this country is going to uh, come down and attack. And all these people, there must have been 50,000 <laughs> If there was one, that's right. No, I don't know. There wasn't 50,000. There was, I I don't know, maybe 3,000. They all just booed, you know, like they usually do. They don't like them, just booed it. And there was a whole auditorium of people just, I said, Russia's going to attack the Middle East. And they went, boo. They couldn't hear that. They they didn't believe it. And a a month, a month later, Russia, uh, moved their troops into, uh, I think, Afghanistan it was. And uh, the whole situation changed, you know. And I'm not saying this to tell you that I, you know, that they were wrong and I was right or anything like that, but uh, these things that it mentions in the Bible, I, I play mighty close attention to. So it does say that, talking about this, this man here, he's called the Antichrist. And we've had, you know, a lot of previews of what the Antichrist could be like. You know, you had that Jim Jones, he's like a preview. You had uh, Adolf Hitler with a, a preview. 
Anyway, the Antichrist is going to be a little bit, a little bit different than that. Evidently, he's going to bring peace to the world for, for a certain length of time. But he will eventually uh, be defeated too. Supernaturally defeated. God will intervene. But you're still going to have to be aware of these things. You need something strong to hang on to. I don't know what you got to hang on to. But I got something called a solid rock to hang on to. That was manifested in the flesh. And justified in the spirit. And seen by angels. In the world. Last thing before we go, and I was really hoping Chrissy was going to be here for this because, but she'll have to listen to this. Um, in 1999, alternative Christian rock band Plum put out an album called Candy Coated Water Drops. And their first track of that album is called The Late Great Planet Earth. And we're going to go out on that track. Um, but nice. Until next time, I mean, you can listen to Sugar Plum Fart Sniffer, whatever the name of that album is, wherever you want to. Um, it's no, it's terrible. That's a Red Hot Chili Peppers album. <laughs> it really, it's spelled out one word. Like, can, can, yeah, Candy Coated Water Drops is one word. Like, it's it's really, really so 90s. 90s, I want to be grunge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I got their first album for something, but I don't remember what it was. It came out in like 96 when I was like nice. 15. But yeah. Anyway, with that, you can follow me uh, at Chaz X Cure or 17 underscore seconds. You can listen to my other podcasts. Laugh. No, that's your podcast. You can listen <laughs> to my podcast. <laughs> The Holy Hour, Gavin and I talk all things Cure-related. That's the band The Cure. Um, you can listen to Donovan's other podcast. That's called Laughing With You, Not At You. It's a podcast I do with my wife. We talk about uh, mental health issues and dealing with that and being parents. And we are creeping closer to getting, getting it done with the new schedules and everything. So we're getting there. We're getting there. But it's, it's good, good. Good, good. Um, uh, so with that, uh, uh, peace with your spirits. Airlines. Yeah, or whatever you're drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody say. I like my looks. I like my personality.